We're so glad that you're with us today at Cross Point Christian Church. Today we are in week number six of our series called The Miracle of Mercy, and today's topic, Your Ministry of Mercy. Did you know that? Did you know that you had a ministry? A ministry of mercy? See, up to now, we've sort of been mainly have been focusing on God's mercy toward us. Ooh, and we've been eating it up, right? Aren't you glad we got a God that's slow to anger? A God that created us to love us, and He's merciful to us. Well, today we sort of want to flip that upside down. We kind of want to reverse that a little bit and put the focus on the mercy that we have received from God and now let that flow out of us into others. Jesus himself said, our response reading this morning, why don't we read it together right now? It's Matthew 5, verse 7. You see it there on the screen. On the count of three, one, two, three, let's say it together. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What does that mean? It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Did you know that? Jesus, having seen the multitudes, he went up to an exceeding high mountain, and when he sat down, he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called the sons of God. Blessed are, blessed are. You get down to about verse 7, he says, blessed are the merciful. Why are the merciful blessed? Because God will show you mercy. When you show mercy to others, God shows mercy to you. Is that what that means, Bruce? Yeah, that's what that means. Mercy is love in action. You know, we think of mercy or compassion as a feeling. But you know, originally the word compassion was a verb, not an adjective. Verbs show action. Adjectives are more descriptive. Look up here on the screen. Mercy is love in action. Next slide. Compassion actually used to be pronounced as a verb. It was pronounced compassion eight. You, when you were compassion eight towards someone, you were showing mercy. It means to enter into someone else's pain. Did you do that this week? Have you entered into the pain of someone else? It is a verb. It shows action. It's not just feeling sorry for someone. It's relieving somebody's pain. See, there's a big difference between pity and compassion. Oh, I pity that person. You know the difference between pity and compassion? Pity can be best described as, let me illustrate. Hey, did you hear about old Joe? No, what happened to Joe? Joe lost his job three months ago. Joe is going through a really rough time. Pity says, oh, poor Joe. Compassion says this. Hey, did you hear about Joe? No, what happened to Joe? Joe lost his job three months ago. He's going through a really hard time. Poor Joe. Hey, let's go over to Joe's house and see what we can do to help out Joe. Compassion 8 
not just compassion. Compassion gets involved. Compassion does something about the pain. Mercy is love in action. Mercy is not afraid to get its hands dirty if need be. Mercy steps into people's broken lives. And isn't that exactly what Jesus Christ did for us? Huh? He saw us down here all broken and messed up. Are we not all broken vessels? And He became one of us and entered into our pain, became like one of us, to bail us out. Jesus shows us what mercy really looks like. It's found here in the next verse. It comes from Mark chapter 1, 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to Jesus. It's a public place. You're not supposed to be in a public place, but he comes in a public place. Desperate time, times call for desperate measures, right? If you understood biblical mercy and what it looked like in the first century, you'd go to. And he says to Jesus, if you're willing, make me clean. Filled with compassion. Ah, oh, there's that word, compassionate. Whenever Jesus is filled with compassion, watch out, because something's about to happen. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hands, and he's about to do the unthinkable. He touched the man. A man with leprosy. He touches him. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the, lep- the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Now, see to it that you don't tell anyone. Jesus was on a mission. He had work to do. You, you tell this story. This is the first leper healed in the history of uh, modern times, or at least the first century. The last leper that got healed was back in the days of Moses when the laws of leprosy were given. Nobody had seen anything like this before. So don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, (laughs) Jesus ever tell you to do something, you do just the opposite. Instead, he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. And yet people still came to him from everywhere. In Jesus' day, leprosy was prevalent. It was very common. It was a horrible disease. You didn't die immediately from leprosy. From the first day you were diagnosed with this skin disease, it hardens the skin to the day you died. It may start as a little white patch, like psoriasis or something, you know? What is that? Psoriasis? The heartbreak of psoriasis, all right? To the day you died was about nine years. It wasn't particularly painful. As a matter of fact, it was just the opposite. Your nerve endings all died off first. And your skin became white and coarse, and flaky. Remember Job had leprosy in the Old Testament? And he's out on an ash heap, and what's he scraping himself with? A broken piece of pottery. 
the only kind of relief you can get. But the problem is you can scrape yourself too hard if you don't have any nerve endings because you don't feel anything. And before long, you're scraping and scraping and you lose your fingertips and then your fingers and then the hands look like nubs and you lose body parts without even feeling it. In time, the wounds crack and they split open. Your eyes begin to be swollen open. And in the daytime, because of the terrible sun, you're, you're in misery. And at night, because of the terrible cold, you're in misery. There's not a time when you're not detestable, grotesque to yourself and anybody that sees you. It killed the soul before it ever killed the body. That was leprosy. It killed the soul first. Because a leper was an outcast. A a leper was untouchable. You were not to touch a leper because leprosy was was an infectious disease. And lepers were sort of deemed by people, judged by people, as being judged by God. Whenever you saw a leper in Jesus' day, and probably even before, I mean, Job's friends said, Job, what did you do to deserve this? What sin did you commit? Just confess it and get over it and get over this leprosy. And Job said, I didn't do anything. In Jesus' day, if you were walking and you saw a leper, you would probably point and say, I wonder what they did to bring this upon themselves. That's what you would think. And so you could see how that would eat away at your soul before it ever ate away at your body, right? You were judged by society. The assumption was you did something terrible. Now, in order to protect the community, because it was an infectious type of disease, you were not sent to a doctor, you were sent to a priest. And, and they would declare you clean or unclean. It sounds more like a verdict than it does a diagnosis, doesn't it? Well, Leviticus chapter 13, we've got to go all the way back to the days of Moses to get the law. Now, remember, we're living in Jesus' time, now that we're reading um, this story about the leper. But how you, a leper was to live, you read about in Leviticus 13 beginning with verse 45. The leper must wear torn clothes. No fashion statements there. Let his hair be unkept. Cover the lower parts of his face and cry out, unclean, 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 when you saw people. I think you had to keep your distance of about 30 feet or so. And if the wind was blowing, you had to stay about 100 feet away. Can you imagine every time you saw someone... You covered your face and you hollered, unclean. Can you imagine the impact that that would make on your spirit, much less your body? You remember the ten lepers that Jesus cured? They, they saw Jesus and they stood at a distance and they hollered, Jesus, have mercy on us. Heal us from our leprosy. And Jesus says, okay, you got it. Go show yourself to who? The priest. They got their miracle. 
But people judged them. It was maybe the culture. You know, we, there are certain things that we judge today on people. Even the disciples of Jesus, this has nothing to do with leprosy, but you remember one day they saw a blind man? And they said to Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, this blind man or his parents? Remember Jesus' answer? Neither. Neither. That's not what this is about. Verse 46, as long as he has the, what's the next word? Infection. He remains unclean. So there is hope for the lepers. There is hope, Moses says, that there can be a cure, a cleansing. It is believed that leprosy began in Egypt. Um, we've been studying the book of Exodus, haven't we, on Wednesdays? i got one of my Brookdale students here with us today. And on Wednesdays, we've been studying, going through the book of Exodus, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And um, what we read about there in the book of Exodus is that these people had hope if God blessed them, if they did the appropriate thing and turned to God for the solution to their problem. As long as the infection remains, he must live alone. Now that's got to be a heartbreak, right? You can't even go to your family for help. You can't go to your church family for help. You were banished from the temple, or in Moses' day, the tabernacle. They were to live outside the camp. No family, no friends, no temple. But he comes to a public place. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Mark 1 verse 40. If you are willing. I like this part. Notice he doesn't say, if you are able. What does the guy know about Jesus? He's got faith, doesn't he? He knows Jesus is able. He just wants to know, is Jesus willing? He goes, and then I read this verse, and I've got to ask myself, Bruce, how many people around you are asking you the same question? They're not saying, Bruce, are you able? They know I'm able. But they're asking are you willing to help me? And how many people in your circle of influence are saying, if you are willing, you can help me out of this loneliness that I have. You can help me out of this pain that I'm feeling. If you are willing, you can restore my dignity that I once had, but I don't have it anymore. If you are willing, you can show me love and you can show me compassion. And so it's a question that I'm asking myself. I know we're all busy. We're all busy. We all want to We all want to just get make it through the day and we're having a hard enough time. And so I think it was last night I said to my wife before we went to bed I said, "Did you have an opportunity to show mercy to anyone this week?" And she told me her story. And I I had three opportunities. Two I did with a good attitude. One I did, but I only get half credit because it was a really lousy attitude. But I did it, okay? 
If you meet a lady named Maria, she speaks no English. If she ever comes in someday, I think her last name is Jimenez, looking for the preacher, uh, send her to Mike. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, she didn't, she came up to me, I was having a bad morning, car problems, I had to take my truck up, up the street, about a I don't know, less than a half a mile, but I had to walk back, right? You know how it is when you got car problems. So I'm walking back to the building, and here's some lady at the door, something in her hand, and asking for help. I didn't understand a word she was saying, but I saw the paper, and so oh, I'm preaching on mercy. I know I got work to do, and I'm busy, busy. So I go over and look at it. It's a prescription. I thought, oh, she wants some money to fill her prescription. And no, no, no. And as I look closer at the prescription, it was for an x-ray on a knee. And it said, much pain. And I remember having a knee problem. It wasn't that long ago. I had knee surgery. And she was limping. And oh, I thought, Bruce, you've got to help this lady. You, God's working through you. But I don't speak English. So I go, I'm going to call Tony. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I speak English. I don't speak Spanish, right? <laughs> Hey, I'm dyslexic. Give me a break. You never got your tang tangled up? So I called Tony, because I know he speaks both English and Spanish, and I said, Tony, it's only going to take a minute or two. I lied. It probably took about five. But Tony was gracious, and he was kind, and he said, okay. So she gives me back the phone, and so she's just lost. She needs to get an x-ray someplace, and, and, and so I'm... I said, well, let me take a little closer look at the prescription. I said, it's on Whittier Boulevard. So there was a phone number on the prescription. So I call the place, and they say, no, she's not supposed to come here for the x-ray. She's supposed to go someplace on Painter Avenue for the x-ray. And I go, well, there's a medical building right next to our church building. I wonder if that's where she needs to go. And they gave me the address. I go, yeah, figured it all out. So I said, come with me, the old arm thing here, you know. Went, walked slowly and gently. And she just kept, this sweet lady just kept, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. I said, it's okay. It's okay. How many times have you ever pleaded with you? I'm so sorry. I hate to come to you again with this. So sorry. And Jesus is saying what? Okay. See, when you're compassionate and when you're merciful and when you're feeling, I relate to her knee. And we walked slowly, and when I got her to the door, she said, thank you so much. And as I walked away, that hit me. Turn around. Maria, hold on, just un momento, por favor. <laughs> Give me your hand, other hand on her head. I want to pray for you. And I prayed a short little prayer. Little tears coming down her cheeks. I don't know if she's a believer or not believer. I don't know. But if a lady named Maria comes in, would you show her some love? She may come in at first on crutches, all right? <laughs> she probably needs some surgery. But I don't know where all that's going to lead. But have you been looking for people to show mercy to this past week? This past five weeks, because we're in week six of this series. I don't know about you, but this... This series is impacting me. Things that I would normally overlook, man, I relate 
to that priest that walks on the other side of the road when he sees the, the beat-up Samaritan, right? Or the, the guy that's all battered and bloody and beaten. Because I'm so busy! I am in a hurry! My church will not understand if I don't have a sermon outline on Sunday because I've taken care of you. You don't understand. Well, maybe my church would. My elders will not. And they sent my check. I, you know what I'm talking about? We get caught up. And, and besides, lady, don't you know my truck's in the shop? And I don't know what it's going to cost. And i got to walk back to get it. And my knee hurts too. Mercy. Uh, when I walked away, I can't help but tell you, I felt really, really good inside. And I said, thank you, Lord, for using me today in just a small little way. Open my eyes, then I can see more opportunities and have mercy on people, whereas before I was sort of way more selfish than that. It's easy to blow people off, isn't it? Not Jesus. Verse 41, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, and he's about to do the unthinkable. Touch a leper. He touched the man. I wonder how long it's been since this man was touched by anyone other than another leper. You know, it's not enough just to preach to people. We have got to first touch them with the love of Jesus Christ before we ever speak to them, right? Filled with compassion, he touched the man. Now, he didn't have to touch him, did he? Think about this for a moment. Did he have to touch the man to heal him, or could he have just said the word and healed him? Well, he, he healed ten without touching them. Remember, they stood at a distance and said, Heal us! He said, Okay, done! He once healed a nobleman's son from 18 miles away. Don't tell me Jesus had to touch the man. Filled with compassion, he touched him. And the word for touch isn't touched ya. It's the word for grab onto. You can just see Jesus grasping onto this man, holding on tight and saying, I'm willing. Be clean. Ooh. Aren't you glad God's not ashamed to touch us dirty, stinking, corrupt, sinful human beings? Aren't you glad for God so loved the world that He gave and He got involved in our lives? And He touches us? He's not afraid of us. He's not ashamed of us. He calls us friends. The best friend you'll ever have. He gets involved in our lives. And we've got to touch people too. I like this. Kay Warren, this is Rick Warren's wife. She wrote a book. And in her book she writes this. Compassion is about making a decision. It's not an emotion. Compassionate is a verb. Expressing compassion is a deliberate choice to embrace pain that is not your own. We are most like Christ when we choose to offer the gift of our presence and choose to absorb within ourselves the suffering of the least, the last, and the lost. Are you looking for Jesus? That's where you're going to find him. Amen? Well, I like what she wrote there. 
That's where you're going to find him. Verse 44, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded. Moses, when did Moses live? About 1,500 years before this scene took place. It's been 1,500 years before anyone had been cured from leprosy. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded of your cleansing as a testimony to them. Don't you know that the priest wants to see, who are you? I am a leper. Here is my sacrifice. I've been cleansed. I'm here to have you do the, the sacrifice. And the priest goes, leper? Lepre- Leprosy doesn't get cured. It's an incurable disease. Oh, no, Leviticus Moses talks about it. Oh, yeah, I remember in rabbinical school they did say something about that. Let me see if I can find Leviticus. Oh, there's the chapter. <sighs> Blows the dust off. Let's see what I'm supposed to do. Right? Let's see, what the, let's see what it says. Oh, by the way, the priest should have known that Messiah was around because one of the signs of Messiah was lepers would be healed and the poor would get good news told to them. So if I was a priest, I'd be looking for the Messiah. Who is this guy? Who did this for you? So, Leviticus 13 says how a leper is to live. Leviticus 14 tells us what a leper does once he's healed. So, Leviticus 14, 13. Here we go. He's now at the priest. He's got a sacrifice. The priest is to slaughter the lamb in the holy place where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed. That would be who? The leper. On the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Now doesn't that sound weird? Now that's a weird ceremony right there. And, and, and I say, well, who cares? I mean, it's interesting, but who cares about that? But then you've got to stop and remember, if it's in this book, it's important. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there, right? I mean, not everything is equally important. There are weightier matters of the law, Jesus said. So there may be more important stuff than this, but it's still important. I'm sure there's a whole lot of things that God could have said in this book that he didn't say. But the stuff that he did say... I need to pay close attention to it because if he said it, it's important. And I thought, well, what's so important about this? Well, if you go back to Leviticus 8, Leviticus 8, 23 to 24, you find out about the regulations of ordaining a priest. Who who was the first priest? Aaron. Who was his brother? Moses. Aaron and his sons were the first priests to serve at the tabernacle. We're in chapter 27, by the way, in the book of Exodus. Every Wednesday at 2.30, you can meet us and join us there, and we're studying through the book of Exodus. Well, back in chapter 8, the first priests to serve... See, they set up the priesthood before they set up the tabernacle. And here is the ceremony that the priest had to go through before he could become a priest. Moses slaughtered the ram, and he took some of the blood, and he put it on the lobe of Aaron's what? Right ear. Isn't that interesting? On the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward, and put some, that's Nadab and Abihu, and put some of the blood on their lobes on their right ears, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toe of their right feet. 
Ooh, this is interesting. Here's the point. The same blood that cleansed the priest cleansed who? The leper. The same blood. The same sacrifice that was made for the priest to become priest acceptable to God was the same sacrifice that made the leper acceptable to God. And I think the bigger point might even be this. Nobody is so unclean as to be beyond cleansing. And nobody is so holy like a priest that is above cleansing. Are you getting this? And so look on the screen. Whether you are a priest or a leper, it is the same sacrifice for all of us. We all need Jesus. Anybody want to say amen? We all need a Savior. And see, I find a challenge in this story of this leper being cleansed for me, and perhaps you do too, because I have to think of those untouchables who are around me in my world. Am I willing to reach out and touch one of them with the love of Jesus? I mean, if we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his mouthpiece, we are his eyes, we are his ears, hasn't he told us to continue the work that he began? Now, the question I want to give you here on the screen, and if you notice on your outline, this is a big old blank spot that has no, nothing to be filled in from me or on the screen. You've got to fill this in. Question, what am I willing to do? What am I willing to do? You don't have to write it now, but take some time this week and say, okay, who are the untouchables that God's calling me to reach out to? Who is God asking me to show mercy to? And then write that in this week, will you? See, the point is you can't just listen to a sermon like this and walk away and do nothing and say, oh, that was good. Yeah, that was a a good old chapter there. I hadn't seen that point before. Ah, leper, be ye warmed and filled. God bless you. Got to go pick up that truck with the broken brakes and see how much I need to pay. We all have busy days. We all have things that take up our time, take up our money, take up our mercy. And we're feeling sorry for ourselves, but you know what? God fills us with mercy, and now we can show it to others. See, if you're not showing mercy to somebody else, to others, then remember a few weeks ago I said, you need to examine yourself and find out, am I really a believer? Am I really a Christian? Have I received? See, because you can't show God's mercy unless you've been given God's mercy. It shows up. Verse 45, the leper went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. It costs you something if you're going to show mercy. It costs Jesus something. See, he wanted to go to the town. Why? In the town, there's a house with a roof over it. There's a fireplace and there's a kitchen and there's a bed to lay in. And oh, I can go in that town and just oh enjoy my stay here. But you know what? If he went into town, he'd find no peace because what did the leper do? Already blabbed and told everybody. So what did he have to do? Stay in lonely places. It will always cost you something. Mercy costs. But you know what? There's a benefit to it. See that word everywhere? Yet the people still came from 
everywhere. They found out about Jesus and they went hunting for Jesus. He's out camping out, roughing it, sleeping on the dirt ground, and yet still they came. I think the point is, don't be surprised when you start touching people and helping people. You start touching and helping people that nobody else wants to touch or help, people will flock to cross point. You can't keep them away. They, 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 will just, they will come from everywhere. I mean, we see it right here in this text. Mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is the key to answered prayer. Where do you need God's mercy in your life this morning? Where do you need an answer to prayer? You've been praying and praying and praying and nothing is happening, nothing is happening. And you start saying, God, why aren't you acting on my behalf? I've been praying and praying and praying. Whether it's a personal prayer for yourself or, or for a nation. Speaking of nations, the National Day of Prayer this year is on Thursday, May the 4th. Just want to give you a heads up on that. There's a reason why I gave you that date. Because in the Old Testament, when Israel was going through a hard time, they called for a national day of prayer and fasting. For God's blessing on the nation. And you know what? Nothing was happening. As a matter of fact, things for Israel were getting worse. And they were confused and they were wondering, God, why aren't you answering our prayer? Why are things getting worse? And through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58, God speaks. And here's what God says to the nation. Okay, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? Now God's going to say, here's really what I'm looking for. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn. You start doing these things. And your healing will come quickly. Those things you've been praying about. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God says, I'll be before you and I'll be behind you. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. So you got yourself ready for the blessing. You cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you take away the yoke of oppression, you know, they, were, they were charging their brothers and sisters high interest rates. The poor weren't being taken care of. The needy weren't being clothed. All that stuff. Stop the oppression. With the pointing finger and the malicious talk. He says, you want to fast? Well, why don't you start right there? Stop the malicious talk. Stop pointing fingers at one another. You want your prayers answered? How about that? There's a good starting point for your fast. 
And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and will strengthen your frame. Watch this. You'll be like a well-watered garden. Ooh. Merrill Gardens. Like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repair of broken walls, restore of streets with dwellings. How many of you in a small group? See your hands? Okay. That is what your mercy project should look like. Some of you are saying, uh, what? A mercy project. You know, you are having a mercy project in your small groups, right? We've chosen ours. We're, 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 those of you in my small group today, be sure and remind me to talk about it because we've got some finalizing plans. There's been a few changes that have been made during a conversation I had with the person or the family we're going to show our mercy project to. But I want you to know about it. And I want every growth group to be working on their mercy project. But if your prayers aren't being answered the way you want them to, folks, start putting yourself in a position to receive mercy. And so I want to challenge you to take Jesus at his word. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they will be shown, finish it, mercy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that once again you've given us your word. That when we are merciful, we will receive mercy. We thank you that you've, you've come to show us what mercy looks like in the healing of this leper, this untouchable that no one even wanted to look at, much, much less reach out and touch. Father, thank you for be will, being willing to get your hands dirty and reach down here into, a man, into humanity and to take a risk on us. Jesus, you said that you came to seek and to save the lost. Would you seek and save them through us? Lord, would you look through our eyes and tell us what you see? Would you listen through our ears and tell us what you're hearing? Would you touch people through our hands? Would you speak to people through our lips? Would you love people through our lives? Lord, help us to bless the world with your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.